So companies now and organizations have to be really mindful of, it's not just the money, it's not just the great bonus. Um, that's nice, but actually what's the purpose of the organization? And they've got to really communicate that. And that's where, that's where it's going to be the next two years. Welcome to Ultra Habits. Here, we go under the hood with our guests to unpack the minutiae and to understand what processes and systems they engage or research that result in ultra-enhanced living. Hey guys, it is RJ Singh here joining you bright and early. It is about 6 a.m. and we are bringing to you our another guest on the Ultra Habits podcast. And we are joined by Gregory Robinson, who is the founder of Blenheim Partners and also the creator of the No Limitations podcast. And that's where I came across his work a few years ago. Now, Gregory and his team at Blenheim Partners source talent right? They're not your everyday recruitment firm, though. They are what is referred to as executive search and advisory. Effectively, they are, are engaged by ASX-listed firms, global firms at a board level to source talent for a particular remit. Now, I've been trying to get Greg on this show for a long time. They are extremely discreet, given the nature of how they operate, they're effectively like ninjas, and it has taken a bit of time to line this conversation. Thank you, Ian Pollard, for doing the introductions. Without you, I would not have been able to get Greg on the show. Now, I wanted to talk to Greg about talent, his experience with it, being a curator of it, any commonalities, what has he seen over the years running an organization like this that has helped him identify the markers of talent? And then how can we, as executives climbing the ranks, learn from what Greg's learned? That was the conversation that I wanted to have, and we indeed had that conversation. Now, Greg is a really, really dynamic, hard-hitting, humble man himself. Look, when I initially lined this conversation up with Greg, I expected this kind of really polished, highfalutin dude. And he is polished, but he is also really salt of the earth. You know, he cut his teeth recruiting in London, built his firm brick by brick, and he keeps it real. He's also, for those of us within the Ultra Habits community that love endurance sport, he's run the Marathon de Saab. He's done marathons. He's swam across the English Channel. The guy is gritty and he's, uh, yeah, look, he brings a, a dynamic force to the show. And we are here really to learn today about what does it take to get to the top? What are the markers of talent and what can we do to start to really hone in on the development of that within our own careers? So I'm going to leave you in the capable hands of Greg I really do hope you enjoy this show. I really enjoyed talking to Greg and I actually learned quite a lot myself. So I'm going to leave you to it. Peace out, guys. If you haven't already, please rate this podcast. The link is in the show notes. Again, it's through your continual engagement, your support that we are able to scale this thing. Peace out. Enjoy. Greg, welcome to the Ultra Habits show. You are a very, very busy man, and I finally have pinned you down after all these months, so I'm really, really happy to have you on the show. Welcome. 
Ranjit, absolute pleasure. Thanks for, thanks for tracking me down. You've done a great job. I came across you initially when I started listening to your No Limitations podcast. It had unbelievable guests and, and really great conversations on there. And I really wanted the opportunity to reach out to you and talk to you about your experience with talent. Now, yep. before we do that, maybe I'll give you a, um, some time to just introduce yourself and tell our audience what you do. Yeah, sure, Ranjit. I'm, um, so my name is Greg Robinson, as you said. I'm an Australian. I'm a very fortunate person. I, um, I grew up in Australia and have a good family. Mum and dad looked after me. Dad was a civil engineer who was, in that regard, much of a risk taker, but also a perfectionist. Mum held the household together. Dad was away six days a week. Um, building dams, bridges, and everything else, roads for, for this country. And then I got to a point in life when I grew up, after I educated myself, went to university. My life changed later on when I was fortunate enough to go to the UK. And in the UK, I fell into this, by accident, like we all do, into this interesting industry called executive search. And what is executive search? <clears throat> it's a privileged industry to be a part of. What it, what it actually is, is you're engaged to work with normally the most senior leaders in corporate, could be not-for-profits, could be sporting organizations, exposed to them to help them identify and attract the very best individuals to grow their, their particular business, their organization. And when you uh, pack your bags with no plan in mind just to go and see the world and get sponsored a couple of times and do the right thing by those in the UK, it's amazing how doors open up. <clears throat> I always said the view that um, if you go into someone else's country, you're a guest. And if you respect people for that, don't whinge about the weather as we always do. That's half the reason you're going there because you want something different. You want to experience something different. Go into that pub and have that warm beer. Meet those individuals, quirky as they are, with a history that we'd, we've never had, with an attitude we don't see. When you walk into a church full of history of armies, wars, and battles, you sit back and say, my God, this is, this is fascinating. And when you actually say and say, I'm going to give it my best shot here, I've got nothing to lose. One day I'll go back home to sunny Australia. And things started happening for me. And I was very, very fortunate. I fell into this world of search and I got asked to do some of the biggest assignments in what is at that time, the FTSE 100, FTSE 250, and some enormous sporting events as well. So what is executive search? Search is being brought into the shadows, as you say a bit earlier, Engine. Um, you're not out there a lot. Um, a company or an organization is taking you and your team in absolute confidence to attract, to go to people who are normally exceptionally happy, a great reputation, doing tremendous work, and you've got to tap them on the shoulder when they're driving their car home on a Thursday night, not experienced, not expecting a call, engage them, and put forward a proposition that could change their, their life, their career. And forget about it, forget about placing just people in roles. What you do every day, in my view, to change people's lives. That's what I love about my job. I'm changing that client of mine's life. If this person is lucky to seize and capture this individual, that would change that organization. And if you put a new chief exec into an organization or a CFO, a COO, a chairman, a board member, that's going to have a rippling effect and it's going to have ramifications for everyone in their company. So you better get it right. If you appoint that person, that person's going home to see their wife, the husband, and they're going to talk about, my God, I didn't expect this call. 
to be its upheaval. We may be relocating in different parts of the world, but this is going to be something which could be a game changer for us. Now, there's two parts to that. There's the, there's the, the interest and the engagement, the fact you're, you're meeting some of the sharpest people in the world, how they operate, how they think, what they're like under pressure, what drives them, what motivates them. That's your job to find that out and distill that. At this level, they're all exceptionally good in presenting and presenting what you, what they want you to believe. Your job is to open them up and get behind. And you do that not necessarily straight away just through the initial conversation or that face-to-face interview. Where search plays its role, it's the backgrounding. It's the off-the-record discussions that people don't know that we have on everyone. When someone walks into our room or into our office or into our boardroom to have a conversation with us, we already know a lot about them. We already know their history. We know who rates them. We know some of the weaknesses. Um, that's, that's our job. So in some regards, similar to a bit of a spy. You've got your sources. You're tapping people in the quiet. You're getting views. You're not necessarily sharing a lot either, and that's your job. And in doing that, what you're doing is you're triangulating information on someone in regards to a particular assignment, particularly brief, and are they going to be suitable? And are they, have they got the ambition, the skill, the motivation, and the cultural fit? It comes down to, are they going to sit, fit into this company? Or sometimes that's overused. Are they going to take, take this company to a different level? They may break a few um, plates of China. They may upset the norm. Maybe that chief exec wants that. Maybe that chairman wants that. And that's what we're there to ascertain. Um, and that's the beauty of this game. And I fell into this many, about 20, 22 years ago, Ranjit. I didn't have a clue what it was about. Um, I actually, was the person who taught me how to do it, I got thrown in the deep end. I got told that um, I could do it. And I got tapped by a few people. And it was my secretary. He was from the East End of London. He knew every step of the way. He taught me how to become a search consultant. And I owe her everything. She sorted me out. Which, and yet there were these gentlemen and ladies who, was so busy, didn't give me the time of day, but the secretary was the one who put me on the spot and said, this, you can make it, but you're going to have to sort it this way. And she gave me the discipline that I required. So um, in doing that, we, um, I did pretty well in the UK. I came back to Australia, did pretty well, lived up in Asia. So I got the opportunity to live in different parts of the world. And then 12 years ago, uh, we established, um, sorry, 10 years ago, we established Blenheim Partners, which is a boutique, um, premier search firm in my view. It's top level. That's what we do. And engage with the very best people in the country. and. Um, Again, as I said, it's a very privileged industry to be part of. So, Greg, when you were in the UK, we had a offline conversation and you told me that you weren't necessarily the smartest, but you had the biggest engine and you yep. were willing to do the work. So when you got to the UK and you got involved in, um, I, I would suppose it wasn't at the level that you're, uh, you're doing now. Yep. What did it take? for you to evolve from that recruiter to where you're at now? And what were some of the skills that you had to engage to move along that trajectory? Like, how did you have to evolve? Self-awareness. Just be realistic to yourself and start with. And yeah, I think you're, you're a pretty good runner from what I understand. If you want to give a good time to get that marathon complete, you got to start and work out what the, what the aim is and work back from that. What's, what's the difference in your professional life or your personal life? So I was, you know, I looked at some of these people and the meetings they had, the work they did, uh, the influence that they had as well, and the results that they achieved. And with that, I decided, well, okay, um, I've got to look at myself. No, I don't have those skills. I had a bad situation. I talk very fast, always have. Um, 
okay, well, that's interesting. There's that that smart or fast-talking Australian on the phone. So maybe I stood out because of that. Um, I didn't have the relationship. I wasn't. I didn't go to Eton, Harrow, or the right school. Um, I'd come from 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 the Shire, and down in Cronulla, um, and then packed my bags. But I just had an attitude which was, well, let's let's listen, let's learn. Um, and if you do that and you approach people in the right manner, it's amazing how much people are willing to help and engage. That's the big thing. Put yourself in a position. And with that, I decided, well, I don't have all that, but what I do have, as you say earlier, a bit of a motor, um, I'm going to work my backside off. When everybody goes out the front door and going home at night, that's when I get on the phone and make those extra calls. That's when I get those extra meetings. That's when I get to meet other people because of the hard yards at nine o'clock at night and I'm still sitting in the office. I was playing catch up and, um, it didn't worry me, but it just gave me when everybody else walked out, that's when I thought, you ripper. Now let's bring it on. You've got to have a bit of that in your monk, you know, in you if you want to get ahead. And you've got to be prepared to mess up, make mistakes, um, which I did plenty of times. And then say, okay, well, it's not the end of the world. I'm not getting, you know, I'm not, not up against the wall going to be shot. I'm simply just going to have to um, think, think about it differently. Go and seek some counsel. And again, like everything, if you approach most people, I don't know you, what's your experience, Reg, but most people are really to help out. Now, you didn't become a superstar runner overnight. Someone would have sat down and talked you through your cadence, your stride, how you land, your feet, et cetera, et cetera. Ask the questions. Isn't it amazing what happens? This um, a, um, colleague in, in, in England that yep. helped you out, how did she help you? Like what was the context of that relationship? Running a search is a, um, it's a, it's, it's a pretty complex process, but it is a mm -hmm. process like my, a lot of things in life. Um, it's a discipline and um, everything from how you address people, how you engage them on the first call, how you summarize your, the, the key themes of what you want to cover, when when do you make your play, every step of the way. There's something like 55, 60 steps in, in an undertaking proper search. And a search normally gets for everybody out there. A search, you know, when you engage from a client to maybe the chairman or the chief exec to replace and a lot, nine times out of 10, these searches are done in absolute confidence. So it's a company listed in Australia on the Australian Stock Exchange. It's a company listed in, in the UK in the FTSE 100, could be the US as well. You're not going to, you can't go public. Because if this leaks, share price is going to fall. There's going to be embarrassment. Your reputation is over and their company's reputation is in trouble that they've actually gone to replace someone and it's been leaked publicly. So it's a pretty damning effect. So with that, you've got to be incredibly um, tight and focused on what you do. You've got to make sure your team is doing exactly the same. You give a certain amount of information about too much. And you've got, if you're going to do that, you don't get many chances around it and making that call to that, that senior executive who everyone's referred to you as the game, as this is the person who's going to be the game changer. You've got one shot at the title here and you've told the client based on your research based on the recommendations, based on the off the record conversations, based on their career history, that this person makes absolute sense. And what's it going to take to get them across the line? They're humped. Remember, they're comfortable in their role. That's why they're so good. Right? I'm not going to the person nine times out of 10 who's sitting on the sideline. It's not recruitment. It's very, very different. You're out there to get the person to bring across to a company. That company is after to change their trajectory. And that's what you're trying to do. So she sat me down and worked through the whole process to build up to that point. Mm -hmm. to made sure I'd covered every part of the market. There was no stone left unturned. These were definitely the very best of the best 
of the candidates, and she rammed it down me and rammed it down me and rammed it down me. And I'll give her credit. Um, so therefore, I just got in my blood. You just don't, when you take on a client um, search, you're taking on their money, you're taking on their reputation, you're representing them in the market, you're their ambassador in the market. You can't do it half-hearted and you can't do it not fully prepared. Mm-hmm. And when you get to that point, as you say, when you do your running event, you've got to put it all together on the day. Some days, something, you know, there's always something that always goes wrong. You just sort of somehow got to manage that. And when you get this guy and well, this lady, and you, get, you make that call, you've got to think, my God, how am I going to get them over the line? And it's, then it's a process. Then the journey begins. Then the wooing begins. Then mm-hmm. the discussion begins. And then you've got to understand them. And you've got to get to their level. This is about beauty. We're not dealing with, and I'm not selling a fridge. I'm not selling a, uh, a car or a house. I'm actually dealing with the most important thing out there, which is the human being. And human beings are really unpredictable. Um, they're fascinating. They're interesting. They're complex. Um, but at the end of the day, um, they're the ones that make the world go around. Not the, not the, no, I've always said that, you know, I'm not going to put in the system. I'm going to put in the human being who's going to change that company. And that's the beauty of this job. How did you manage your imposter syndrome, Greg? Because I'm sure you would have had it initially at least. Imposter syndrome? What do you, what do you mean by that? Not in this regard. Well, I would imagine as a young dude yep. talking was, to some yep. key executives, yep. you would have like maybe felt like you don't deserve a seat at the table and or you might have had some fear. How would you have managed that if you had it at all? Oh, of course you do. You know, everyone has fear. Mm-hmm. Right? That's part of, part of nature, right? You're going to put yourself on, in, in a spot where um, you want to change. Uh, that's not natural necessarily. You're going to think about it and you're going to have to go through um, all those sort of preconceived ideas or what people have thought about you in the past, you know. What are you doing calling some of the most senior people in the country? And you, you haven't got a background to do that. What, how did you earn the right to do that, right? So you got all that in your back of your mind, 100%. I was really lucky in one regard. I had um, a couple of old-timers, one in particular who was, um, who was the bluest of the blue uh, in, in terms of the UK. Um, he was a member of some of the uh, the most um, well-known clubs, come from that sort of pedigree. Um, probably, I'm a little bit surprised if he knocked around at one stage as a young man of Winston Churchill. He was some, one of those sort of people. He was uh, 72 years old when I walked into the office. Um, no one gave me the time of day. This gentleman walked up and said, hey, young man, how are you going? And at 7.30 in the morning the next day was the financial times was on my desk, and he had circled it and marked it. He'd already been in there by 7.30 and said, well, why are you running late? Why aren't you across this? And these are the people you've got to learn and you've got to know. And he said, come on, we'll go out to lunch. You better get to me. There's a process in that. Make sure that you're there first. That never, never make the guest wait. Um, this, is your, this is your approach. And he was just one of those raconteurs. Um, very, very well connected. I don't know why. He was classic, um, classic British from the country. Um, old school. Uh, old wealth. So in that regard. Um, from Eton, funny enough, too, he actually came from, he had studied at Eton, um, and yet he was the, the gentleman who, um, the hell of it, with the hell of it for everybody else who had maybe had their own little bit of snobbery. He wasn't, he was going to say, mate, come on, let's, get, let's give it a crack. So at uh, 5.30, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, for 72-year-old, I probably I could be standing at a bar, at a nice um, little cocktail bar somewhere in Mayfair, and he's, he's, he's leaving me for dead. So it was, it was a mind blower. Um, this person knew how to live, and that's what I that's what I got out of this guy. What do you got to lose? Not a lot. Just back yourself up. Do your homework. Do your homework. Do your homework. Do your prep. Same as you as an athlete. Do your prep. Don't leave anything on the sideline. 
And uh, if you can do it, and this is what search is about. You know, ultimately, it's 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 like a sport. Um, it's competitive. You are up against other organisations. You've got to build your reputation in your market. You've got to get your the clients out there or potential clients out there to engage with you. All right, and that's 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 part of it, and that's the thrill of it as well. Winning clients and working with clients and solving problems. And so you've got to have that, um, I guess, that that hunger in you, in you. But you've got to have the polish. Mm, that's interesting because your my perception of you is that you're you're intense and you know how to turn that engine on and work hard, but you also have this kind of velvet glove and i'm sure you evolved that because of your craft you had to right like you can't just come across as a mongrel i suppose you have to have that polish and that ability to have the right conversations with the right people yet have that drive and that tenacity would you agree with that statement yeah i don't think i think you know i don't think um say mongrel is the right word but um you got to have focus right um and uh yeah, but look, it's it's no different to any top person. I'm not that's wrong. It's not different to anybody wanting to give it the best shot. Okay, um, you're going to have to leave some stuff behind. You're going to have to make some sacrifice. You've made the call. You want to improve yourself. You've made the call. If you're in this game, you're going to give it your best shot. You don't want to be number two, number three, number four, or number five. All right. And if you're going to do that, you will you got to get out there and do something different. All right. Which means you've got to push yourself somewhat harder. That means you've got to walk away from certain stuff. Um, but with that, you've made the call that the the, um, the upside is far better than the downside. So the sacrifice isn't, you know, not worried. You don't worry about that after a while. Um, you know, look, in my role um, and in, in, in establishing this company, so that's a different part, Ranjit. So what's one being okay being in the confines of a good search firm and then working with really good people, very different than when you have it, when you decide one morning, hold it, well, I'm going to establish a firm. We're going to be a little bit different. Our process will be different. The way that we think will be different, and hopefully, you can attract sort of like-minded people. That's hard yards. Particularly again, I've never done that. Never run a business before. Made made plenty of mistakes along the way, but hey, you're living, and that's what I, I want to do. I want to live, and um, and when you're living and, and you're pushing yourself, guess what? You're taking on every day new things. You're just learning so much more about everything every day. And look, and for me, if I'm sitting in front of you know, this afternoon, I might have to go and see a chairman or a chief executive engine. Now, I could be really, you know, one-dimensional and take that brief, listen to that person's concerns, what they're trying to do, that organisation. You know, as we come out of COVID, next year is going to be exciting. The next 24 months are going to be absolutely exciting in this country. There's an enormous amount of change happening out there. But I walk away thinking, how, how lucky was I? I got to meet someone who has got a career which is built on um, a lot of hard work. They didn't get there easily. They probably made lots of sacrifice. I watched their style and how they engaged, how I felt meeting that individual, take it on board. Um, mate, that's an MBA on the run. This is real life. You, you, that's, that's where the privilege comes from. And guess who I've got to engage? I've got to go and engage some of those people of similar sort of backgrounds. So it's, um, yeah, look, it's really exciting. You know, ultimately what you're doing, it's all about purpose as well. You know, we haven't talks about, you know, goals, aims, et cetera. You've got to have a purpose. And the purpose is, isn't to fill the bank lots of money that's nice we can get some money and have a you know reasonable life and look after the people that you care about um but the real purpose i get is you're changing organizations you're changing you're helping people you're changing people's lives um whether it's the client or whether it's the account and you, nothing replaces that 
Now, t- today when I get into the office, the first thing I'm going to do, we had a candidate who interviewed who said, no, um, this role is not right for me, based on what you've said. The client who said, no, I don't think that's right for me. I don't think this individual is right. He's a direct competitor. Hold it. Just hold it for a second. We do think it's right. Why don't we, have a, why don't we arrange a very, very quiet chat somewhere? The offer is going to be made this morning at about 10 o'clock. Now, both parties walked into that room. No, we're just taking your word for it. And guess what happens when people meet? Dynamics change, don't they? And that's, that's, that's interesting. Now, that organization will benefit from this individual unbelievably. This individual has already texted me at about 11 o'clock last night and said, game changer, I'm in. So that's exciting. Oh, that's interesting. So, you, you know, it's... I suppose you're in situations where you're having to challenge pretty established people that have strong views on things and you're having to challenge people to possibly think differently about the situation. How important is it in your craft to be a kind of student of human nature and people and knowing how to read the play how nuanced is what you do? Look, it's important to a couple of, couple of things. Firstly, there's a track record. You look, at, you look at someone's CV, you've made your call. So there's a reason why you're making that approach, right? Yeah. I, I may not know this individual. I may know this individual. I may know reputation of this individual. Okay, so I've already got some, something inkling there. But my, then my next big challenge is somehow to get them in to meet with me or, or via Zoom this day and age um, and then suddenly engage with them. and in one hour, ascertain whether they're appropriate or not. And they've worked 40 years in their career to get to where they are, or 25 years, 30 years to get where they are. And your client is asking you to make a call on this individual. Right? And that client, in some cases, I've, this is maybe my first engagement with them or our team's first engagement with them. So there's a lot running through your mind. So you've got to double check that. So first thing you, I think you've got to think about is your strategy when you meet with someone. Because as I said earlier, Angie, these people are consummates in what they do. They present day in, day out to the ASX. They present day in, day out to their peers. They present day in, day out to their team. So how are you going to open them up? How are you going to get inside them? How are you going to get them to really spill the beans in some regards? Okay. And get a view on them in one hour. Then draft a report on your, th- on your thinking, your findings, your thoughts and where they fit into, and if they do fit into, what you believe the brief. Are they contrary to the brief? Are they going, Are they a little bit lateral that your client should see them? That's all the stuff you got to, you got to do. Now, how do you do that? I don't know. Everyone's got their different approach. Um, uh, I like to um, be um, fairly direct um, and open. And I, look, I, I respect people's time. They've made the time and effort to come and see. You've got to respect that. These people are always very, very busy. So anybody's good enough to do that, firstly, I respect their time. Secondly, I like to get to the heart of the matter. They're busy, so are we. And um, I can't do that by sort of just doing the niceties for the next 45 minutes. We've got to get into it, Ranjit. And um, I'm going to challenge them. So welcome welcome to coming into the Blenheim. Once you walk into those walls and close that, that door and you sit down with us, it's, um, it can be interesting times. And it's going to be, that's what we're getting paid to do. We're getting paid to do, Ranjit. I can't write a report. I can't discern between the top 10 otherwise. 
and that's what the client and the client is asking us to make an evaluation, an appraisal, a recommendation, and you better back it up because they've also maybe they've crossed paths with this individual in that industry, right? Maybe they've already got a view, and that's what you've got to talk through. And then you've got to go back to the brief to the client and say, look, I I agree, outstanding individual, but based on what you told us, based on where the company is going based on what the restructure looks like, based on what the potential float may be, is this the individual that you think is going to take you where you want to get to? That's what we've got to focus on. And that sometimes goes contrary. Sometimes it ticks the box. Sometimes, sometimes, Ranger, depending on um, certain organizations, you just want a big name, right? That's going to set the tone for the analysts out there. It's going to set the tone for the market out. And that person's going to bring a wealth of experience. And that person's going to attract other very good people. So there's different, there's different strategies for different roles. How much of that decision-making, Greg, is qualitative versus quantitative? Like, ultimately, do you roll with your gut in terms of your recommendation? Like, what if the data, because I know you have analysts, that yep. the data is telling you there's a misalignment, but you there's just something within you that says this guy or this woman is the right fit. What do you do there? Hey, guys, just wanted to take a quick break to thank you for your continued support of the ultra habits show it's through your support that we've been able to scale this thing so quickly and so strong over the past year and we're truly grateful for your continued support if you haven't already please go to www.ultrahabits.co and subscribe you'll get cool information insights and be up to date with everything we're doing and also If you haven't, please rate this podcast. The link is in the show notes. When you do this, you help us scale our message of ultra performance, ultimately helping us create more impact with our tribe. Anyways, we're going to leave you back in the hands of our wonderful guest. Well, look, when we have an interview, I very rarely do it myself. Okay. So you say the analysts or the researchers, we call them. Um, I'm really fortunate. I've had a team now who, you know, really, really, again, really privileged. They they work their backside off. They 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 exceptionally um, motivated. Um, undertake excellent research on people. Do a lot of backgrounding on people. I'd also do the background. I get your hands dirty. You got to get your hands dirty. That's your job. You're representing a client. And there could be three or four of us in in one of those interviews. That can be a little bit daunting as well in some cases, right? Um, but these are senior people. Hey, we're not we're not um, we're not talking about someone commencing their career. We're just talking about someone who's in full flight in mm. their career. All right, and if you can't walk into a boardroom and hold your own, then that's 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 something to be tested straight away. It'd be surprising. Some people do get nervous because they haven't done an interview for 10, 15 years. They've been tapped on the shoulder all the way through their career because based on their work they've done, they've been, they've been outstanding. Um, and now some, for some reason they've agreed to come and see us, right? We, we've, we've asked them to come and see us. Um, then we will, have, we will sit back straight after that interview, look at the brief, look at the questions to our sort of, so look at the responses to a number of our questions as we thought through before we sat down with them. All right, so it's not random. You don't walk in and say, hi, how are you going? Let's, I just, let's just shoot the breeze. You've, you've got a nature of questions that you know about this individual who are going to be apt, which are going to help us in regard gauging their capability and fulfilling the requirements of the, uh, of the client. And then um, to answer your point, some of it does come to a bit of instinct, experience, gut, you know, um, you talk about our our um our podcast, some of the stuff I've learned from the, the guests that we've had, particularly at the top level now, you're taking some of these CEOs, the special force guys we've had, the army guys we've had in, 
um, will say to you that uh, you've got to rely on your gut. You've got to rely on your, your instincts sooner or later. You just can't, you know, maybe comms have gone down, you're going through some ravine. You don't, if you don't feel something here, you're going to be wiped out in an ambush in about uh, 10, 15 steps. And these guys know that, right? It's not the same, obviously, and we're not anything like that. But if you're sitting in front of someone's telling you all the answers, which sounds so true. It's perfect. It's perfect. Perfect answer. Perfect answer. Something's not right. I've got to, I've got to find out more. Now, and that's when that's when we'll go into full, full, you know, then maybe then we'll make a number of more calls on an individual, right? To really clarify what they've said. Um, and again, that's, that's the beauty, that's the fun of the job, right? You're meeting really interesting people, uh, in a room, in the surroundings where they're coming in in confidence. Okay. Um, and they're opening up and having a conversation with you and it's done in absolute confidence. And that's the respect that we've all agreed to. And, um, and then you got to treat them with courtesy and then you've got to get back to them later and some aren't going to make it right for X, X Y, Z and reasons. Uh, and that's, uh, that's, that's always the worst part about the role you've got to sit back and say, I'm sorry. Uh, on this particular occasion, we will be going forward with others, and these are the reasons why, um, which you have to if you have to share, because um, they're good enough to give their time again. Um, but uh, yeah, look, um, experience does come into play. That's what clients are asking you for, right? Not everybody. This is the funny thing. You remember, not everybody can interview very well, right? You know, everyone says, okay, you meet the headhunters and the good headhunters, or the search guys like ourselves, we do it day in, day out, right? And you get a range of personalities. Well, big personality is going to roll in and dominate that room. Someone could be very, very quiet. And you think, oh, that's not right. Yes, it is. Look at their background, mm-hmm. right? They don't have to beat their chest to tell them they're the best. They just do it because they just do it, right? How do you build your teams? How do you motivate your people? It's always, that's always fascinating. There's so many different ways they go about it. Um, and how do they get outcomes? Are the outcomes driven? Yes, they are. But what's a real outcome in their mind? What does good really look like in their mind? Did they inherit really good work previously and are trading off the back of that and someone else's good work? That's what you've got to find out. And they're claiming that and people do do that. Do, do that. Or do they really build it themselves? What do they do? What do they change to get there? So you, that's when you've got to push a little bit, Ranjit. You start challenging them somewhat. So that's interesting you say that, Ranjit. I, your predecessor, I believe, laid the foundations. Isn't that true? Mm. All right. How do you know that? Well, that's what we're supposed to do. Mm. We understand this and this. I believe you had a situation a number of years ago where this happened. Is that true? Did you take did you take that accountability? Did you take responsibility? In regards to that M&A deal you talked about, did you actually sit opposite the banker or were you behind? What was your role? Please don't, over, don't overstate what you did because we're going to find out. That's our job. All right. So that's what makes it interesting. And and yeah. And and so in terms of the qualities that you have seen that may have made these people successful, I mean, they come from a wide array of backgrounds, obviously different personality profiles. As you said, some may have bigger personalities, some may be a bit more quiet because of the work. But what are some of the consistent themes and qualities? you see with these individuals that have driven their success from a behavioral perspective and just from who they are? Uh, most of them are pretty comfortable with their own skin. Mm. Right by this time, they, they don't, you know, in fact, their egos, I know we talk about it, um, their egos aren't there. Okay, there's a bit of um, difference between ego and confidence. 
no reason why they shouldn't be confident. They've, they've done they've done the hard yards. They've made the big calls. They've put themselves out there. Um, a lot of them are fairly humble, right? Um, it's the ones two or three levels down who are less so humble, all right, trying to get, get to the top. Um, good listeners and answer your question. That's a big thing when you ask a question. So many people try to answer the question how they want it to be answered as opposed to listening to what we've actually asked. They recognize that it's not about them, that what it's about is building the appropriate team and getting that, and they understand the value of having really good people around them. And you ask them that, and quite a, and a simple thing is when you left A, B, and C, went to company X, Y, and Z, how many people followed you? Mm. Did they follow you? Has many people in your career followed you? And so why do you think that's the case? And you start seeing patterns as well, and they recognize that. Um, they are able to make decisions. A lot of people out there are really good managers, not necessarily really good leaders. Mm. All right. And, so, and there is a difference. There's, you need managers, but you also need leaders, right? And leaders have to make the call. They've got to live with the results. And that's what you're trying to find out. And these people can live with it. And they also recognize you don't always get it right. So they've got that ability to bounce back. They've got their resilience. They don't get it wrong very often, right? Because they've done their homework on that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's sector by sector too, Ranjit. Someone in mining or industrial is going to be different to someone in, in media, in style and engagement and the way they motivate. Do they walk the floor using that old language? How do they, how do they inspire others? Do they inspire? Or are they the quiet person who inspires in a different way? Do they do, do they do the town halls? Do they write the memos once a week on a Friday during COVID? Do they do video during COVID? What what do they do? You've got to find out how they lead, right? Mm -hmm. So they're all they're all they're all they're all comfortable in their own skin. They've got a clear strategy in 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 mind. They're executing that strategy and they're executing it through people. That's where they're really good at. They recognize that. What and I expect, and I expect success. In your experience, are all these individuals high IQ? Like how important it is, do you think IQ is to get to the top of your craft? Oh, look, you know, no doubt about it. I'm, people I interview most times out of 10 are exceptionally bright, right? They are. Right. But they doesn't have, they're not always the brightest in the room, in their own company, what they do. What they're all very good at. Um, and often, I remember years ago, and I was in London, uh, a very senior executive came to see me, so I just don't understand it. I don't understand. I'm working for these people. And this person had built a really good career, but every time seemed to get pipped at the post for the big role and said, came and came and saw him and said, look, I got done again. I said, okay, yeah, sure. What happened? Um, Mary or Bill um, got the role and they're not as smart as me. I said, well, okay, so why do they get the role, you think? They've got different EQ. They engage differently. It's, engage it's engaging and influencing. They're the two big things. How do I engage with people and how do I influence to get the outcome? Now, if I'm super, if I'm super bright and I can work things out, that's great. That's great. But that, a lot of super bright people can't communicate mm. as well, right? So it's about the engagement. And the really top leaders, you just see they're just natural. They make you feel comfortable. They make you feel special. They make you as if you're the only person in the room. You've seen those individuals. They engage with you. They motivate you. They guess guess what? You suddenly you, you're volunteering to do more work than you thought you're going to do, or go above what you thought beforehand. That's that's what they can get. That's what they do. 
So I think, yes, IQ is important, no doubt about it. And these people are um, normally very, you know, have, normally have a very good IQ, but their EQ is pretty red hot. Mm. Those who don't have a good EQ, um, I found out sooner or later by reputation, something goes wrong. Something gets picked up and, and, they'll, and they'll go, that's as far as they can go. Um, mm. It's like a lot of people who, um, when you build your career, so everyone listening to this, you're going to build their career. You could be an engineer. I don't know. You could be something else where it requires really good. Um, it could be an accountant. It could be a doctor. Um, requires really, really good expertise in the day and day out of the job. That's fine. That's what got you to that point. The next point is, but how am I going to become a really good leader? Mm. And that's when you've got to say, okay, um, these skills aren't going to make me a good leader. They're going to make me really good at doing the, the job day to day. That's the operation side of it. Now, the big step up now is, is to lead, and that's where I've got to move away from these skills and develop those new ones. And those who gravitate to wanting to get into the detail and holding into the operation, they're gone. That's as far as they're going to go. They, they've become operational mindset, if you want to sort of call it between operational versus strategic. And those that have the strategic mindset, to your point earlier, yeah, they have the IQ. They also have a pedigree in the sense that they're pretty good in, in their career and what they did in understanding operations. But then they sat back and looked at themselves and said, right, okay, but however, if I'm going to run a company, run a business, create an industry, build an empire, whatever it's going to be, I've got to change. And that's going to be about how I lead and how I engage and how I influence. And that's, mm. a of, that's a set of different skills. No, that's brilliant, brilliant feedback. I think, you know, for individuals that are looking to get a, to that next level, it's mm. like, okay, how do I move beyond the technical application? And then how do I now understand that I have to mobilize people and influence? And I think that's what you're talking about. 100%. Before we wrap up, I want to talk about you, Greg, in terms of your daily um, mechanisms to keep you at the top of your craft. How do you stay hungry, focused, and just on point? I don't know. I think you just got to have it in you a little bit, don't you, actually? Mm. Um, well, firstly, you've got to enjoy what you do, right? Mm. So that's that's the first thing. I, or, funny enough, in doing these podcasts, and I was, you know, when I started this, I just, I did it again because I just, level of curiosity. Mm. I wanted, um, you know, I went again, again, as a search person, you were privileged to information. I was reading stuff in the newspapers. So I knew we had a better insight than some of the stuff I was reading in the papers. Um, and I thought, right, hold it. Well, why don't we do um, a, a podcast and, and, and learn from these really good leaders? And as, a, as, and as a result, open the debate somewhat more and push a little bit. Um, so I have a genuine interest in people. I have a genuine interest in, in um, how business gets formed or organizations grow. I don't care whether it's a charity um, who's doing the best, whether it's a hospital who wants to be the best and bring in the new um, new care or a scientist who's sitting there at 2 a.m. in the morning you know, in their lab, um, which could uh, change the world you know, in, in some form. Um, so I, I just, I just get, I get energized by just seeing people on the edge. And, and, and in our role, uh, we get to meet people who are pushing the boundary somewhat, I guess, if you want to use that language. Um, who want to excel in what what they uh, have chosen as their as their particular career? So you, you get out of bed in the morning, pretty easy, Ranjit. Um, I'm up most mornings, you know, crack of dawn. Um, I go to bed pretty late most nights. Um, I don't I don't need a lot of sleep, so I'm pretty lucky in that regard. Um, so I'm gonna be so I take myself um, 
pretty fortunate. Um, I read a lot. I get across the the global news. I like international news, so I want to see what you know what's happening in the US, the UK, Europe, in politics, Africa, what's going on in uh, events over there. You know what's what's happening, the price of oil, what's going on in inflation, where's the strategies in, in the economy, et cetera, et cetera. How's that going to impact Australia? I get you know I look at pol- politics very closely in Australia. I'm interested in that. End of the day, you know they're supposed to be representing us, um, so I'm I'm interested in that. So. I like to look at that and then how does that translate into the impact of what's going to happen in our economy and how is that going to translate into the type of leadership that certain organizations are going to be mindful of now. We're in really, really exciting times. Um, you know, we're coming out of this COVID. You know, you've heard, I think, uh, Ranjit, everyone talks about um, uh, the great um, hold on, sorry, resignation. resignation yeah. Right? Now, is it true or not true? Um, <laughs> I've spoken to a lot of people in the US and I think it's game on. People are people are resigning. Mm-hmm. Are, are they resigning with no job to go to? Some may be. I think that's that's pretty brave. Um, but um, there's a, there's a feeling that I've been locked down for a period of time, and I want to change something in Australia. The amount of people who are returning our calls, and that could be as sources when I'm seeking advice on individuals, or I've left a message for someone that I need to speak to, or the team wants to speak to in regards to a particular brief that we're working on who we feel could be a potential candidate, overwhelming. Mm. Yeah, if you've been locked down for 18 months and two years, and in some of the states in this country um, where you really got to question the leadership and what's mm. been said and done, um, it's, it's hurt people. It's mentally hurt people. Um, they've been challenged. Um, mm. And you know, they can't, you know, some of them don't even have the right to walk down to go 5, 10 Ks, 15 Ks at one stage. So one thing they can potentially look at they could alter their career trajectory. They could change the locate. The truth. They could change the people they're going to work with. Now, from our point of view, as search, as a search firm, we're having calls with people who aren't necessarily sitting in the office as they used to be. They're not ducking into that extra room. They're actually sitting there taking that call right. and willing to explore that somewhat. So, one big message out to every chief exec, CFO, COO in Australia at the moment pretty much guarantee you every member of your team is being tapped. And if they're not being tapped, then they shouldn't be in your because they're not good enough. <laughs> That's what's seriously happening out there. The amount of willingness of companies looking at time to make change. In the last, in the last 12 months, Ranjit, the turnover um, in chairman is up 100% in chairs. Sorry, sorry, I'll say it again. Turnover in chair is up 100% year on year. In CFOs, which are the people who ultimately deliver the numbers and hold the company accountable, they're up 50%. And that's enormous. They're, they're fairly conservative in what they do, up 50%. Boardroom, enormous change in the boardroom. So with the, the impact of digital, with the impact of being shut down and saying, we've got to get growth, we've got to seize, seize opportunities, there's, there's an enormous amount happening in the terms of IPO, so floats, companies going to be floated. Uh, mergers and acquisitions are in are, are on. Investment bankers are exceptionally busy at the moment. So it's exciting. So of all the mm. negative news out there, the next 24 months, unless um, you know interest rates go take off, which the Reserve Bank has sort of said numerous times, I'll keep mm. low, it's looking really exciting. Um, and with that, I think people are saying, well, okay, maybe this time I've had a chance to reflect. Actually, there is um, there is a real, there's a real thing through on, the companies that I work for, what's the purpose of this company? 
what is it? Where does what is its role, and what's my role in the broader part of society? Am I contributing any more than just taking uh, an income or a wage? Am I adding in any form? And that's been a real, that's been a big, big feel. What we've noticed. So companies now and organisations have to be really mindful of. It's not just the money. It's not just a great bonus. Um, that's nice, but actually, what's the purpose of the organisation? And they've got to really communicate that. And that's where that's where it's going to be the next two years. It's going to be really quite exciting. It's mm, great insights. Greg, I, I, I echo those sentiments. Um, you know, the business landscape has changed. The psychology of uh, employees from mid-level to senior leaders have changed. It's a dispersed environment. People are, uh, you know, they're now ready to get out there and have a crack. And um, I could imagine how that's shifted the landscape. And um, I mean, I see it within our industry, within our business as well. Um, so thanks for those insights. And, and I think we'll, we'll wrap it up there, Greg. I just really want to thank you for your time. Um, love the No Limitations podcast. I recommend for anyone out there in executive land to tune in. Um, but yeah, Greg, just super grateful that you made the time such early morning to come and join us here at Ultra Habits. Um, you're doing a great job from what I'm, what I'm hearing. Uh, you know, it's not easy to do these podcasts. So keep it up, Ranjit. Great to see. And um, I'll look at your guests have been terrific. Well done.